Good morning. Um, this morning, we are getting a bit of a late start, but all of us gather here to listen to Elizabeth, who is going to be talking about speaking the truth in love and relating that to um, the, what, what number commandment is that? Nine. Number nine commandment. So thank you, Elizabeth. You don't have a handout yet. I will be handing something out later. But we have reasons that we have to wait with that because we're going to do a little, have a little bit of fun in the middle of this where we have a little bit of a radio show. And I don't want anybody to have the answers if they're going to be on the spot. All right. So, so this is the fifth session of six sessions about the Ten Commandments. And I just want to remind you a little bit about what has been talked about before when Bob Roberts, my dear husband, um, introduced this. He was talking about what is the law, about it being a blueprint, a map, a sketch, an order, something that needs to be etched on our hearts and minds. And when we have the right way of thinking and caring, then we have the virtues, and that's what we're aiming for. And the law sends us in that direction. Also, both um, Bob and Jim and Aaron talked a lot about gratitude. Gratitude underlays sort of everything we do as we, um, as we obey the law, as we try to live the Christian life. So I'm going to start with talking about a little bit about my history with the Ten Commandments. And then, well, i got to get my books here. And then I'll be talking about the Catechism, the ACNA Catechism. And we'll be using that a lot as we look at the Ninth, ninth Commandment. You never have enough room, right? So, when I was a child, I grew up in the Christian Reformed Church, uh, a Dutch immigrant church in southern Ontario. And every Sunday morning, it started, the pastor started with, our help is in the name of the Lord. We had a hymn and then the Ten Commandments. And they were read in long form. What we do in Lent is much shorter than what you find in Exodus 20 or uh, Deuteronomy 5. And there was no um, sort of absolution afterwards. There were no comfortable words. You just went on to the next thing. Come to Mary's Okay, I will. I will. So, uh, and the, we had preaching in the afternoon, so morning service, evening service. Evening service, many times it was a sermon from the Heidelberg Catechism, which has 52 Lord's Days, and 10 of them deal with the Ten Commandments. So every year or two, we would have a sermon about the Ten Commandments, uh, or 10 sermons about the Ten Commandments. And some of them were kind of scary. 
<laughs> I'm going to read you the ninth commandment from the Psalter hymnal, which is the hymn book of the church at that time. And um, at the back, you've got the canons of Dort and the catechism and more things. So, what is required in the ninth commandment? That I bear false witness against no man, rest no man's words, be no backbiter or slanderer, do not judge or join in condemning any man rashly or unheard, but that I avoid all sorts of lies and deceit as the proper works of the devil, unless I would bring down upon myself the heavy wrath of God. Likewise, that in judicial and all other dealings, I love the truth, speak it uprightly, and confess it, and that as much as I am able, I defend and promote the honor and reputation of my neighbor. So, some scary words in there about bringing down God's wrath. At the same time, I'm hearing some positive things about what we're going to be doing as Christians, as followers of God. Besides all that, I had to go to catechism class from age 14 to 18 or 19 once a week, and we would go through the catechism and we would memorize the answers. And um, then I wasn't, we just generally, the convention was you had to be 18 or 19 to know whether you were going to be a Christian or not. And then once you did profession of faith at age 18 or 19, then you could finally participate in communion. So I had to wait a long time before I could take communion. So it's wonderful to be able to do it every Sunday now. But my takeaways from this catechism was that uh, there's, there's comfort in there. The first, one, the first um, question of the catechism is, what is your only comfort in life and death? And the answer is, my only comfort in life and death is that I belong not to myself, but to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And then it goes on with what Jesus did for us. So that's very comforting, and that's the most comforting part of the catechism, <laughs> I have to say. But, uh, the other, but then also, I just learned a lot about, uh, about what the... Uh, what our Christian theology is about. So this catechism goes through it and goes, talks about sin, deliverance, and gratitude. And it talks about the Ten Commandments in the section on gratitude. How do I show my gratitude to God for what he has done for me? I tried to live the Christian life with the help of the Spirit. And the Ten Commandments are a wonderful source for that. So since I saw the positive direction of that, I thought, you know, we've got these Ten Commandments that we hear in Lent and in Advent, and I think that's wonderful. It takes me back to my childhood, and now I get the absolution and the comfortable words after the confession of sin. Uh, but I was just wondering whether, whether we couldn't spend some time talking about what the Ten Commandments mean. So that's why I suggested to Mary that we focus on this for a time. And so she graciously said yes, and I thought maybe I should do one teaching. So here I am. Uh, 
So, you know, the question is, what are we hearing when we hear them in Lent? Remember how Aaron said, well, we hear them, and we say, well, last week I didn't covet my donkey at all, my neighbor's donkey. And, uh, you know, I have no idols in my house that I bow down to. And, uh, you know, I haven't had extramarital sex this past week, so, you know, I'm good. <laughs> but... When we dig into it, we see the commandments have, say a lot more. I was so happy when Mary told me, told us about six weeks ago about this catechism and how we could use it as a resource. How many of you have looked into this catechism from the ACNA? Okay, a number of hands. Uh, it's just a modern, uh, well-thought-out version, and it's a beautiful book. I just, uh, you know, love the way it's put together. It goes, it talks about beginning with Christ, believing in Christ, belonging to Christ, becoming like Christ. That's the organization. And in that organization, it talks about the gospel, salvation, creeds, scripture, sacraments, prayer, the Christian life, the Lord's Prayer, the Ten Commandments, and living in forgiveness and healing. So as I was thinking about this, uh, I got this sort of, uh, sort of design in my head, let's say, about how things work with uh, some of this. So think of an upside-down funnel. We're starting at the top. And what is the one-word summary for what God wants us to do. Love. Great. So we start with love, and then we have the summary of the law, which is a little bit uh, wider. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And then you get to the Ten Commandments, which is an, um, you know, a little wider way of looking at it. And then you have the Torah, the Old Testament, Psalms, Proverbs, it all tells us more about how to love God and your neighbor. And then Jesus and his teachings, it goes back to the Old Testament and all that, but brings new things into it. And then you have the epistles, and you have 2,000 years plus of church fathers, church mothers, creeds, preaching, hymnody, all of that has enriched us in our understanding of what God is expecting of us. And so you, now we, we're at this wide part of the funnel. Now turn the funnel over, and then you let that all sift down, and it becomes something like the catechism, where it's all distilled into that. So you get a smaller version of it to read and study. And in the catechism, we have a hundred questions about the Ten Commandments. I'm going to read you two questions and answers from the catechism. First, um, 264, how should you understand the Ten Commandments? I should understand them as God's righteous rules for life in his kingdom basic standards for loving God and my neighbor. In upholding them, I bear witness with the church 
to God's righteousness and his will for a just society. Uh, the next one, how do the Ten Commandments help you grow into the likeness of Christ? The Ten Commandments reveal my sinfulness in the light of God's righteousness, guide me to Christ, and teach me what is pleasing to God. And now I'm going to get to the Ninth Commandment. And for the Ninth, to look at the Ninth Commandment and the Ten Questions and Answers there, I need some volunteers, and those volunteers would be Rich Baker and Matt Milliner, if they're willing, okay? Everybody knows the game show or the radio show, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me? We're going to do Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. So. And we're going to hand out the handouts. Matt and Rich, would you come forward? Thank you. And Bob's going to hand these out. I'm going to keep one. I tremble. Oh, no, you don't have to. No, you don't get one. Okay. Okay, you can just stand here. No, you don't get one. Exciting. Okay, and then we have one. We just, um, let's see. I think that'll work. You each have one of those. No. No. So, um, we have a timekeeper. We have a scorer. And just like in Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, it's just fun for fun, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and if you have half of it right, you get the point. Okay? All right. That's grace. All right. Are you ready? Matt first. What is the ninth commandment? You shall not bear falsehood against your neighbor. Point, right? Everybody agree? Okay. Rich, the harder one. What is bearing false witness against your neighbor? False witness against your neighbor would include any kind of statement which does not uphold their dignity as made in the image of God. What do you think? Yeah. You good? Okay. What if, okay, we have an extra question here. What you if the next, extra? You could <laughs> still bear false witness with a truthful statement. If there's anything coming from the audience, I have to repeat it so we can hear it on the tape. Okay. Uh, I like the word willful in there. It's to willfully communicate a falsehood. Okay? Okay. Let's, okay, let's keep going then to the next one. Matt, why does God forbid such false witness? Because drawing upon my colleague here, it, it, it degrades their being in the image of God. As it, I mean, we can get philosophical here. Are you looking for something specific? I'm looking yeah. for the answer here. Okay. <laughs> for the answer. All right. So be, because it is um, out of conformity with reality. Uh-huh. It's going against the grain of, of truth. It is, you are stepping outside of the way God made the world, and mm-hmm. you are entering into falsehood and deceit. Okay. It is Thank you. Awful. And then I'm going to read the answer from here. It is, let's see, because it defames and wounds my neighbor, there we go. erodes my love of truth, disobeys my Lord Jesus, and aligns me with Satan, the father of lies. 
I was stumbling in that direction. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very you, got, close. you got one out of that, four. You get the point. That was actually yeah. more severe okay. than mine. I thought I was being severe. I love this. Yeah, this is really good. I'm not hearing this timer. Does it? Yeah, that, that was the idea. How much okay. time do we have, by the 30 way? 30 seconds. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> How is false witness given in public life? Lawyer should know. Uh, by making statements that aren't true. Mm-hmm. Period. Willfully or unwillfully? Uh, willfully. Okay, good. All right. Thank you for I'll that. I'll read the answer. Yeah. Any willful misrepresentation of the truth in legal, civic, or business affairs bears false witness, rebels against God's will, and subverts God's justice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's good. good. Give them the point. Mm -hmm. Matt, how is false witness given in respect to the teaching of the church? Heresy? Yeah. Distorting the way that God became flesh in Christ? Uh, misrepresenting the moral teaching of the church, uh, speaking against the biblical witness, uh, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth, the teaching of the apostles. I'll stop there. Wonderful. Wonderful. I'll read what, the, what these, you know, 20 people put together, but it couldn't be better than that. Um, all false or misleading teaching concerning the Christian faith bears false witness against the truth of God's word and abuses the authority given by Christ to his body. Okay, okay. Rich, what other acts are forbidden by this commandment? That's a tough one. Hmm, that's a tough one. If we're made in the image of God, those acts which would take away from the dignity of us being created as mm. image bearers mm-hmm. would all fall under that category, including yeah. the three that you mentioned that you had not committed last week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I'll, I'll give you a hint. Um, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> we got time. Give me the next moment. I'll give you a hint. What other acts does, are forbidden? What's, what are other um, ways of saying false witness? What do we commonly say for false witness? Um, slander yeah. would be false witness. Right. Um, malicious or gossip would be oh. false witness. Beautiful. Um, lying? Uh, well, lying would be, but stretching the truth uh-huh. or half-truths would be false witness. Yeah. Mm. Wonderful. And I, I love all that. And then you just have to add to it from here for personal gain. You know, what, mm. what you're doing it for. Okay. Yep. Mm. Matt. Mm. Mm. He does. I got one out of four, so I get the point. This is a real the for, no. forecast of when our election got, year here. When I gave you the hint, you got so many of them. Yeah. Matt, what sort of speech should you practice instead? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Speak the truth and only what is needed to be heard. Sometimes I could speak the truth about someone, but other people don't need to know that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, a, a brevity and a discretion in yeah. my speech. Yeah. I love talking with someone, and I say, How, how that, how's that person doing? And they just clam up because you're like, I don't need to know the answer to that question. Yeah. It's between them. 
-hmm. So there, there's... Uh... Oh, yeah. Okay, I really like that. I'm going to read from here. I should speak at all times with love, wisdom, and truth, so that my words may honor God and comfort and encourage my neighbor. There we go. That's, mm -hmm. oh, these are really good. Yeah. Rich, when is it right to speak of your neighbor's sins? Well, certainly in Corinthians, we're told to confront our brothers and sisters, first individually, and then with one or two others, and then possibly with the whole church. Matthew 18 citation. That was also, okay. um, in a court of law, it might be appropriate also to bring out what the truth is, even though that may be confronting your neighbor. Mm -hmm. mm. Okay. Mm. Give it to them. Good point. Good point. We've got a streak here. I was just looking this at my watch. What time is it? <clears throat> Where, how long do we have? Um, so must you always speak the whole truth? No. We're now at the, the, the famous dilemma. I'm hiding Jews in my basement in <laughs> Amsterdam um, or in my attic. Uh, no, I must not always speak the whole truth, but it must be in the spirit of the truth. It must mm -hmm. be for the purpose of mm -hmm. the, the advancing of, of God's mm -hmm. cause. Yeah, yeah. I, um, good point. To keep a confidence or to protect the innocent, I may at times need to withhold the whole Perfect. truth. And so I should well always exercise discretion that my candor may not needlessly cause harm. Ah, that is so wise. Yeah, that it's is nicely so said, but yeah. you're coming up with a lot of it. I have to say, in my own family, um, my parents were hiding some Jews in the, in the wartime. And my dad had such a hard time with the idea of not telling the whole truth. He thought he was supposed to tell the whole truth. So mm. they were not good candidates to do that very often. So they didn't oh. because of that. Um, yeah. Give him the mic. Can you hear me? There's a famous story that uh, my grandmother always told from World War II where there was a group of nuns hiding some Jews. And the Nazis came to them and said, we heard that you're hiding Jews. Are you hiding Jews? And their response was, are we the type of people that would hide Jews? <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. As long as you have a dumb SS officer, you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, one more question for Rich. How does keeping this commandment help you to become like Christ? Mm. I am the way. I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So truth is the very character of Christ. Yeah. We're to bear witness to him and actually to be conformed to his image. Mm -hmm. So I would say that bearing truth is to bear the image of Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Like that. They didn't think of that so much in here, so I'll read their answer. By practicing love and truthfulness in speech, I grow in self restraint, kindness, and honesty, so that I may know God with a mind free of deception, praise Him with an undefiled tongue, and more truly love my neighbor. There we go. 
All right. Hey, Should we give them all a hand? Well, well done. Well done. There we go. appreciate our volunteers. I think they did a wonderful job. And I hope by doing that, it just helped to bring out for you what's in this catechism and what the sort of the depths and the complexity of the Ninth Commandment. What did you learn, just as we were going through that, that um, you weren't aware of? Anything enlightening or controversial? Um, Peter? There we go. So for me, um, I think that whole, having it put into words about uh, must you always speak the whole truth, that I too have always struggled like that. Well, you got to tell the truth. So, you know, better not to say anything than say nothing at all. But, you know, do you do you not tell the whole truth to protect someone's innocence or like a confidence? That's, it's very aptly put. And mm-hmm. It's a way of putting it that in like in my 40 years mm-hmm. of life, I've never quite heard and I, it's really useful. Good. So. Good, thank you. Anybody else? Yeah. You avail yourself of, of the sacrament of confession as our priests encourage you to do, that that is not you are that is between you and the priest and the Lord, mm-hmm. and there is a sense in which I love Billy Graham's rule: uh, public sin should be confessed publicly. When we had a revival at Wheaton, we had a disaster of private sin being confessed publicly. It did not need to be heard by a whole auditorium, and personal sin should be confessed personally, private sin privately. Yeah. So I, I love that rule and that. Mm-hmm. Um, not all ears are capable of hearing with mercy and grace, and so we must be cautious and discreet. Mm-hmm. And I love how that your, your handout is emphasizing that. Yeah, thank you. So you might notice, too, that the handout... I have a question. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Bob. Is it ever okay to lie? Uh, well, I mean, if your father was asked, are there Jews in your... Mm-hmm. In your attic, mm-hmm. uh, would it be would it have been loving of him and within the law to say no? Yes, I think that's true. that's correct. And what? And uh, would you agree with me that it is? Yes. Okay. And why? I agree, but that's a lo- that's not just not telling the whole truth. That's telling a lie. And it's, okay. it's, it's telling a lie in the interest of the community, the love, of love, mm-hmm. love for God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah. And I think it's, it's pitting, like seeing the, the people who are asking the question as being about evil deeds here. They're, about, they're trying to transgress against the commandments, against love for neighbor. And you are trying to love your neighbor, so. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth, uh, two things come to my mind. The first one is we have Rahab, who did exactly, exactly. that. We have Rahab, who mm-hmm. did exactly that, which yeah. is an example within the scriptures to help me. Right. 
But the second thing here is you asking the question of war. You know, all the time, like the Russians say, well, we've just won everything. And, and they didn't. But in the fog of war, is deception a different story? And I don't know the answer to that, but that's one of the struggles. Is okay. how much do you disclose when you're, that would harm you in your cause? Okay. Um, in the interest of time, I'm going to um, <clears throat> go back to a little agenda here. You might notice that your handout has text under each question. So sometimes these are called proof texts, just like, okay, how come that's, how do you know that's true? Well, it's in the Bible. Read it here, uh, which is kind of a harsh way to do it, but it does refer you to where, some, where it comes from. But as it says in the introduction to the catechism, they're also meant for further study for your uh, greater understanding of what the catechism is saying there. And sure enough, Rich, it talks about, um, there's a, um, one of them is a uh, reference to Rahab in these questions here. And there's, an, there's another one now that I'm trying to find on my sheet, and I can't remember, but uh, there's another story in the Bible where something like that happens. Um, let's see. So I'm just going to go through some of the texts that go with number 346. You have that one there? When is it right to speak of your neighbor's sins and tell you which uh, text they have with it? Leviticus 19, uh, that you shall reprove your neighbor. And there it says right after that, and, as, and also love your neighbor as yourself. The interesting thing to me is, I think in the, in the Torah, that's the only place you see the phrase, love your neighbor as yourself. And sometime by the, by the time of Jesus, that had become the summary of the law, to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. But that's not part of what it says by the commandments in Deuteronomy 5 or Exodus 20. Um, Proverbs 28, verse 23, whoever rebukes a person will afterward find more favor than one who flatters with the tongue. 31, verse 8, speak out for those who cannot speak for the rights of all the destitute. Matthew 18, if someone sins against you, point out the fault privately, then with a witness, then with the church. Some of this might be a little bit um, annotated here or my words. Ephesians 4, but speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. And then James 5 talks about bringing back a sinner by speaking to him. So that's just a little taste of what you would find if you dig into these verses. Okay. So now I want to move to the virtues uh, what virtues do you see on your handout, these 10 questions that are listed in the answers? Just uh, shout them out, and I'll repeat them for the tape. Bing. What virtues? Okay. Uh, how about 345? There I see love, 
wisdom, truth. 347, I see discretion. What do you see in 348? Mm-hmm. Self-control, I'll repeat. Kindness. And honesty. Thank you. And of course, if, you, if I said to you, what virtue do you practice when you do not bear false witness, the answer would be? Honesty, I think, is probably the most common one, the, is, is sort of the heart of it. But all these virtues work together. And so I have put on your handout on the other side the virtues that Bob put together for the first handout of the series. And I would like you to get into your little groups and talk about how each of these virtues might play a role in being able to practice the ninth commandment of not bearing false witness. Is that clear? Is that, you go for that? Okay. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you want one, huh? Yeah, here. Of course, sorry. <laughs> Hey, Rich, I'll give you a signed copy for doing your work.
I'm sorry that I have to cut off your conversations. <laughs> There's never enough time. Uh, okay. Could, uh, would anybody share something about what virtues you saw as working towards uh, obeying this commandment and speaking the truth in love? Oh, uh, um, speaking the truth in love. I um, this Lent terms patience and gentleness has a lot to do with our speech as well. So I've been thinking a great deal about waiting to speak and how you speak gently and those kinds of things. Yeah, thank you, Rich. Anybody else? Repeat that. Compassion. Uh, <clears throat> um, if you if you you were compassionate, you would anticipate how uh, your false witness uh, would hurt mm-hmm. your, uh, the, the person about whom you would speak, as well as the community. And, um, and so you wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you, mm-hmm. Compassion would just keep you from doing that. All right, right. Thank you. Yeah. I was thinking about generosity. Uh, it takes a lot of generosity to witness to the truth, especially in legal situations. You have to step up. You have to give of yourself to, to do that. And it's not always easy. I think sometimes we, um, if we have enough faith that God is taking care of things, it's easier to tell the truth. When we feel a little shaky, we're a little worried, you know, it's easier to kind of not tell the whole truth because we feel like we have to control things. But if we can allow God to control things, it makes it um, easier to do so. Could I say something about um, yeah. generosity? Yeah. A little story. It's about yesterday I was having ice cream with two of my grandchildren. And uh, uh, I had rebuked <laughs> one of them for, for not being very uh, generous uh, in her speech about her brother uh, a little earlier <laughs> in the car. But, uh, but then when, as we were having ice cream, uh, she said... Uh, she said, <laughs> now that's no, I can remember that. Uh, oh, he said about her, he said, you know, my daddy was, uh, was taking notes on the sermon, and he looked over at her notes on the sermon, and he said, those notes are better than my own. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, now that was a generous thing. Because it, it builds it, it builds up her uh, no he it was the b- brother who was building up his sister and uh, and he didn't need to volunteer that especially after she had <laughs> been putting him down a little bit 
Uh, but he did. And I think the, the whole discussion sort of roused this, um, this interest in, in being generous with one another, and it kind of provoked that from him, maybe. I don't know. Mm -hmm. for sure. mm -hmm. Nice. Thank you. I'm going to pull it back to gratitude. But if we, the more we are grateful for each person in our lives, the more we are grateful for who they are, as they are, the, more, the easier it becomes for us to realize that we really don't want to hurt them, even though sometimes our needs kind of mean that we want to tell something or say something uh, not so nice, um, but the, the gratitude for what God has done for us and gratitude for each person in our lives will point us in the right direction. And then I want you to look at the six words that you put there. I think it's 1029. I don't know if we've got a timekeeper here. Are we supposed to stop at 1030, right, Mary? Yeah. Oh, here he, here he comes, the man. <laughs> okay, yeah, so uh, you just uh, enjoy looking at those six words that your fellow people in the pews put together. I really appreciated them, and uh, I think you're going to enjoy reading them. Thank so. you, Elizabeth. I loved your energy and your, like, the way you approached all this. It was great. <laughs> Made it fun. Good. This series like that, sometimes this, we need that. Yeah. Good. However, next week we are actually finishing the formal part of this catechesis series. Uh, Aaron Hill will be sharing on Commandments 9 and 10. So we've made it through all 10 commandments. Um, the next week is the week the bishop is here. So we are going to have a break from catechesis for kind of a reception, I believe, for the compromands. And then um, Palm Sunday, I'm hoping to very brief catechesis, kind of preparing us all for Holy Week. But after Easter, <laughs> we're going to get back to this. And we'll have an Aylred's Hour to kind of talk about what we learned in this series and also in the series that we had in the fall on reading scripture. So I'm hoping in our sessions after Easter, we can kind of bring this all together and share with each other what we've learned and the impact it's made on our lives. So thank you very much for coming.